You don't know what you've got till it's dot dot dot. We just saw Gone Girl. My name's Andrew. And I'm Darren. And you're very welcome to the 250. Your semi-weekly weekly podcast look at the top 250 movies of all time as voted for by IMDb users. Using a random number generator, we pick a movie each week and we talk about it. Last week, we landed on number 175, which was David Fincher's Gone Girl. Now, Andrew, had you seen Gone Girl before? I had not. I had not. I, um, this was a treat. I, 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 I hadn't seen it when it came out. That's cool, because I have to admit, I've seen Gone Girl several times. I saw it first when it came out, uh, and I went with a female friend to the cinema who had not read the books and had no experience of it. That was great fun. And then I, I when it came out on the video... I brought it home. I watched it with my extended family who had not read the book and not seen it either. That was also great fun. Then I had a mutual friend of ours staying over in the house and he wanted to watch something and we watched Gone Girl and that was also great fun. And this morning uh, we were watching this for the podcast and that was also great fun. Uh, There is something great about about watching Gone Girl the first time because it's a movie that bends and twists and turns without getting into spoilers and sort of coils and uncoils. And then there's something kind of a vicarious almost thrill of reliving that. Yeah, when you watch it with somebody who hasn't hasn't you're, seen, you're it. you're definitely gonna get a kick out of this. Yeah, of so introducing people to it to Gone Girl. Yes, um, but there is a, there is a certain sort of thrill because Gone Girl is it looks it starts out like a very conventional sort of thriller basically. Yeah, um, it starts out it's a, it's about the disappearance of Amy Dunn, that's in a right, small town in Missouri, and then the, the amazing of, Amy Dunn, the amazing Amy Dunn, whose parents Amy Elliot Dunn, Amy Elliot Dunn whose family, whose parents uh, based a series of children's books around her and who basically disappears from her family life um, in Missouri. There's actually one of those books uh, that comes packaged with the DVD that Andrew's actually holding right now. Amazing Amy Tattletale uh, by Rand and Mary Beth Elliott, PhD. Uh, which is a, is a very clever thing that the movie does because um, it, it very much becomes a theme of the film, which we'll talk about a bit later. But so in terms of watching the film for the first time, did you enjoy it? I did i did the yes yeah the, this this is a very interesting movie uh there's gonna and, be a lot of fun stuff to talk about actually. yeah yeah and 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 um it's it it kind of it it confounds your 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 expectations of it it's it's very it's very it's a very odd movie it's a very interesting movie um it's a very problematic movie, and I like it because of 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 all of those things. It doesn't it doesn't um, make it may it, it it makes a lot of choices, and I think that's good yeah. in a movie. And I think it's quite conscious of how uncomfortable it makes the audience at certain points. Absolutely, like there there are moments at which, and to be fair, yeah, it has a bit of a tainted legacy as well. I think Gone Girl is is a film that invites lots of debate whether it's it's in terms of like writing on the internet or even yelling at a pizza place afterwards yeah i think there there is something for for everybody in this movie to kind of point at and say oh you see you see um which 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 is why it's so problematic i guess but it doesn't really shy away from from any of that which i think is yeah which is very much to its credit i think makes it sort of fun it is a very pulpy very sort of dime store thrillery sort of film in many ways in that it feels like it in some ways for me it feels like the perfect instance of, of fincher's work so fincher like he started out directing music videos and it's got that sort of sensibility and then he sort of he did alien and then alien 3 uh, which was a bit of a disaster but which looked great i loved alien 3 
hold on. Did we not have this conversation? I thought we you did. hadn't seen Alien 3. Oh, no. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I'm thinking of Alien 4. Yeah, Alien 4 is the Joss Whedon one. Alien, <laughs> yeah. Alien 3 is the one with the space which station is the that one was with, almost made of wood. Which is the one with basketball. That's, yes, that's we, Alien 4. We have spoken about We this. have spoken about Alien 3 on this podcast. But uh, then he moved on to doing Seven, which was this serial killer slasher film, which was great. And then he sort of moved on to this thing, did Zodiac, did like the social network. And Gone Girl is interesting. Fight Club, of course. Fight Club, yes. Fight Club is perhaps the big one. I think the Gone Girl is almost like the perfect intersectional Fincher film, which we'll probably talk about when we get into the themes a bit deeper. But it looks great. It's incredibly stylish. It moves. It's tense. It's darkly funny. There's this wonderful balance of sort of on a knife edge between... Yeah, very, very strange tonally. It is like it's on on some at some points it's like a, a forensic thriller. It's like a who did it, why did it, you know, how is this going to play out? On the other hand, it's like this darkly comic satirical take on say modern marriage or on the media or something like that. It's this high stakes. In some points, it almost feels like a slasher movie um, in the way that it's framed and it's shot with like Nick lurking in the background of shots and things appearing and disappearing quickly and lots of did he see that? Did they see that sort of stuff? Yeah, it's it's um it's an interesting movie. I I I kind of I'd find I'd find it difficult to 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 fault it too much. Generally with these we 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 pick things that we like and things we didn't like. But I I I I found it I I found it very interesting. As I say I found it like there were there were parts of it that were problematic but I liked that. Yeah. Um and um, I guess I guess we'll also talk about that a little a bit for a while. If um, if I was asked whether whether I'd recommend it or not, I would say definitely. I'd say if 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 anyone hasn't seen this movie, I I can't think of any movie that is that is like it. Yeah. Um, and it's definitely one that you should see before you listen to us talk about it in great depth, or before you oh, listen ab- to anybody talk about it in great depth. Absolutely. Because it's like in the name of the Father, you get you talk about spoilers for that. It doesn't really matter that much. No. You know, we no. Like sort of gets that there are twists and then there are more twists and yeah reversals and, and interesting dynamics and sort of all this sort of stuff that that's interesting that happens would you consider it you said that you'd recommend it would you consider it to be say one of the 250 best movies you've ever seen we've seen some great movies i think it's i, I think it's better than some of them although i've i've only just seen it i'm quite fresh you 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 maybe have had some time to to reflect upon us um, and that, but I, I'm, I'm, I'm. Um, when when we discuss this movie, we'll be discussing it for the first time together. So um, yeah, I, I, I do, I do actually think um, that it belongs in the list. That's my immediate response to it. I would, I would agree with that. I think there's a lot of Fincher on on the list as it stands. Fight Club, I think, is in the top ten, for example. Mm. Gone Girl's around 175, which I think is about right because Gone Girl is in many ways, like, it, it's a collection of stuff that Fincher does in other films uh, brought together. So it's lower than Seven, it's lower than Fight Club, but yeah. it's in some ways a synthesis of those films. So I think that, that's appropriate. And it's, 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 a more, it's a more conventional format for Fincher, but it's, it's still very, I guess, like... I think it starts conventionally, and then I... Th- oh, no, that's, that's yeah. what I mean. I mean, it, like, it's, um, you, could, you could go to this with certain expectations, and 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 it be like a certain kind of a um genre piece like um yeah like like seven is the one or like zodiac for example you imagine that sort of fitting in a david fincher well, that, that's, serial killer that's, that's very much the seven seven and fight club are movies that exist in 
a very strange uh, dark world this this kind of gives um some indication that that it's it's in a a comfortable um sort of sub- suburban middle world. class yeah, yeah or upper middle class yeah, yeah. um and and of course it, it this this is just as weird i i suppose it, it gets uh, just as weird yeah. as those I, th- I think it is it's it's maybe starts in a place that appears more recognizable physically to the kind of people who watch these movies and the kind of people who know fincher as a director i think like there's a lot of it is a it is a suburban middle class movie and it is sort of it has a certain level of, of that to it but I do think it gets just as weird and just as genre and just as reliant on sort of leaps of, of logic and sort of like you have to go with the movie at certain points. I think if you are in any way skeptical of the movie, it will not work. Like there are any number of points where any demand of realism from the script as opposed to like a, a thematic unity or as opposed to um, sort of cohesion. Uh, but if you demand that it look like something that could actually happen or feel like something that could actually happen or demand that it even be populated by characters who are necessarily psychologically realistic. I, th- no, I think I, run... I, I, I think a lot of um, um, a lot of Fincher, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of Fincher movies require you to accept those. Yeah, yeah. yeah. To to um, you're not you're not expected to 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 think that this is um, that this is somehow a, a realistic um, depiction um, of something that's happening. You, you have to have that um, uh, su- suspend your disbelief. Yeah, it's almost a symbolic exploration of something. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. And, and um, to, to, to question the um, conceivability of, of some of this, I think, would be to miss the point. Yeah. Because this is not a conventional thriller. Even though it dresses up a little bit like that, it at the does. Start, it, which, which, it certainly does. Which, which is, which, which is what's uh, one thing that's kind of interesting about yeah. it. Uh, right. So I think with that in mind, we sort of talked about it as vaguely and as sort of. Um, also, it looks great. Oh, it does. If, yes, and it like anyone who 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 knows David Fincher movies, they're probably expecting it to to look as as crisp and as as stylish, and stylish so as, as something cam. like the Social Network. Yeah. Yeah. movement it's got it's it's montages are fantastic it's got a trent reznor soundtrack as well so there's always a movement a beat to it like it's over two hours uh, which is a long time in terms of film and it covers a lot of ground but Does. it covers it very very well like you never feel like the film is glossing over something or it's brushing past something because yeah. there's that that level of conveying information to you whether through dialogue or whether through the way shots are constructed or even through say montage editing sequences stuff like that i think it's Fincher's a very crisp, very clear, very informative director. And I think uh, in some ways maybe a cold director, uh, but we'll probably talk about that. Well, I th- I th- he's, he's a um, director as well who works very well in digital. Yeah. I think there's a lot of movies that you see that looked better when they were in film. And his movies work really well in digital. Yes, they do. I, I think there's a, there's a certain element of that as well. Um, which is perhaps the coldness, because you don't get the same sort of colour. You don't get the same colour that you do on film. No. Um, with digital, no. which is... But anyway, so with that in mind, then, when we jump into actually talking about stuff in a bit more depth. So if you haven't seen the film, this is just one more plea to go watch the film and then come back and listen to the rest of the podcast. If you have, maybe join us on the other side of the spoiler zone. Welcome back from the spoiler zone. To the spoiler zone, I should say. <laughs> but um, yeah, so let's let's talk then more specifically about the film what we liked what we didn't like memorable yeah. scenes memorable will we, details will we, will we sketch the um the plot a little bit yeah just so just to, um just so this i guess makes sense to people yeah. i mean i know you've seen it 
but just to kind of... Uh, it is a movie that moves very quickly and does a lot of stuff, yeah. so it's, it's worth a bullet point summary. Also, because when you put it in a bullet point summary, it seems even more insane than watching it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it, 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 this this is a movie that starts with um, pretty much with a husband finding out that his his wife has gone missing, or did he murder her on uh, their anniversary? On their anniversary, um, there is an immediate investigation. There is a media circus, which is masterminded in some way by her parents as well. Yeah, and. Um, as this is going on, we're sort of we're getting sketches of their life together as drawn from her diary. Yeah. So we're seeing. So we're seeing. Yeah. We're seeing, for example, their their first date, which is this romantic meet cute where they meet at a party, and they're all they're all cynical and they're all sort of flirty together, and they walk through New York at night and they stop by a bakery in a sugar storm. It's all very sweet and all very sort of conventional, and it's all very much like it's one of the things the movie does very well, which we'll get to in a second, is how it handles these flashbacks because. These are juxtaposed very cleverly with the sequences of Nick Dunn in the present day dealing with the disappearance of his wife, Amy. And you get, and you get that even in, say, the composition of the cuts. So you have the cut of them first kissing at the sugar storm, cutting to him opening his mouth wide for a saliva squab. Yeah. You know, which is, is a very clever piece of composition there. But even that, like, as more details become evident um, in the present, like, as, as you're comparing the marriage as it is now to how Amy depicts it in the diary, you get this interesting sort of idea of a marriage that maybe faded and failed, a romance that sort of died, mm. withered and died through neglect, uh, which is, is fascinating. It's conventional. It's very conventional, but it's very well done. Um, and this is sort of before we get to anything. This is even, this is just the movie's opening half hour. Yeah. And, and there's a lot of, like, um, he notices that something is awry, that there's a table smashed, calls the police. What we don't get is this... Um, Police uh, car coming over with 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 a man wearing his police cap coming in and like with a notebook and saying, "Oh, okay, okay." Um, the the first respondent seems to be this detective, detective yeah. who who is immediately suspicious um, and starts really grilling him. Grills him in that small town country way where he it's kind of on you're unsure watching the movie how she's, aware she's been Nick missing is. for a matter of hours yeah. and there's a, a detective at the house and it's like well considering the 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 unusual circumstances and the spike in violent crime locally nick doesn't really seem too fussed no. by by no. any of this, this he is... doesn't seem too fussed that his wife is is gone um, first of all, yeah, that, first that's, all, that's the first yeah. red light. He doesn't seem too fussed that he's um, immediate, immediately seems to be um, the prime suspect yeah. in, in, in this murder. He's um, not at all fussed when he finds, like, when there's blood in the kitchen. There's a little speck of blood above the cooker, for example. And, yeah. like, Nick just sort of registers that. There's a moment where he registers that. He yeah. matches eyes with the police officer who just sort of nods at him. And it's like it's like wake up, Nick. <laughs> yeah. This is one of the things that that's really great about the first hour of of Gone Girl is because you're not watching it for the first time. You're not entirely sure what the deal is with Nick. Is he an idiot? Is he actually responsible for the murder of his wife and just really bad at covering it up? Yeah. Is like is he either super smart or super dumb? Is the question that I think I I was thinking when I watched these sequences the first time. Yeah, what is wrong with him emotionally? There, there's, there's some point made la- la- later on the media start to... Um, Dig around. Sort of. uh, yeah, they, and, and they're hypothesizing about what is wrong with this Nick guy and they have 
um, a famous lawyer, Tanner Bold, played by Tyler Perry. This is the first Tyler Perry movie I've seen. Really? Did you not see the 2009 Star Trek? He I... played the superintendent of Starfleet Academy in that. Oh, he did? He did. He did indeed. Okay. Um, he also... we, we won't talk about the 2009 Star Trek. Not on this podcast, we won't. No. Um, I like the 2009 Star Trek. But anyway. Tyler... I thought we said. We weren't going to talk about it. Tyler Perry uh, showed up on set apparently not knowing who David Fincher was. Really? Yeah. No, when I he was, can believe that. When he was asked about an interview, he's like, yeah, but I went straight home and rented some DVDs. I'm sure I'm sure um, David Fincher knew who Tyler Perry was. Yeah, a big fan seen, of the media Had seen films. all of his movies. Yeah, a complete, complete cycle. Yeah, why, 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 is that, why is that such a surprise, I suppose? They, they're, 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 their movies are very different. I, I, I suppose we, we, shouldn't, we shouldn't expect Tyler Perry to know any more about David Fincher than David Fincher would know about Tyler Perry. That's a fair point. That's a fair point. But it does, yeah, this sort of arrived at the point where Tyler Perry was, I think, trying to go mainstream. Because he also did, um, what was that movie, The I, Alex Cross? With... I don't know. Okay, all right then. This is the attempt to remember in the 90s, Morgan Freeman did those serial killer movies. Like Along Came a Spider and right. Kiss the Girls and stuff. Okay. They're the Alex Cross movies. And so they tried, oh, to, okay. they tried to reboot them um, about two, three years ago. With, with Tyler Perry? With Tyler Perry in the Morgan Freeman role. Oh. It did not go well. Okay. And not just because they cast Jack from Lost as the bad guy. Well, and, and having not not knowing Tyler Perry, but having heard a lot about him and having listened to podcasts uh, about his movies, were uh, were you surprised, Andrew? Um, I I thought he was very charismatic. He was. Yeah. No, yeah. He, Perry is charismatic. Like it's his movies are sort of looked down upon and frowned upon. And I've seen. I think I've seen. Have I seen a Medea Halloween or a Medea Christmas? I've seen one of them, and it was terrible. But yeah, and like I, I don't know enough about his about his movies to comment. I've I've heard I've heard they're very um, wholesome, uh, value driven. Well, oh, it's a, okay. It's, it's I've heard they're very broad. Yeah, they're they're, very, like yeah. like like you, you from the impression I've got is that they're they're sort of like a um, Mrs. Brown. Brown's uh, voice, voice, yes. That, yeah. that that would be about it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, and, the greatest comedy of all time, as voted for by BBC fans. Yeah, and 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 people might look down their nose at that, but but there there's there's a certain amount of Elitism broad broad appeal in in these things that pe- that people tend to kind of um, get snobbish towards. Yeah, exactly. I think you're making that point when you're saying like, why would it be okay for Fincher not to have heard of Perry, for example? If and we get outraged when Perry hasn't heard about Fincher. So yeah, yeah. I think you have we, a fair we, point. We there. would think that Tyler Perry is a philistine, but but we uh, regard we, Fincher we, as. An yeah, we, we we don't expect um, David Fincher to be so in touch as to know Tyler Perry. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, it's based on a book by Gillian Flynn. So there's there's this. Um, have you read the book by Gillian Flynn? I haven't. I haven't. I yeah. haven't read the book. I've read lots of interviews with her. Um, apparently, she drew quite heavily from her own uh, life, her own experiences in terms of inspiring the movie and sorry, inspiring the book. So she wrote the book shortly after she got married. Which I imagine was great fun for her husband to read. I think uh, I find that really interesting because it it seems like, especially coming to the end of the movie, but I think throughout that marriage is this big theme of the movie, oh, and and of um, pretending to be somebody else, and for extreme measures to maintain this uh, illusion of happiness. Yeah, yeah, and 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 to yeah. To, 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 to maintain that relationship and, and to, to hold two people together when... Because, I mean, one of the things that I do, I do like about... One of the things I really love about Gone Girl is the fact that it kind of inverts the traditional formula for um, 
for say marriage films or for suburban films like the the recurring image in american culture of suburbia is something that you deconstruct and pick apart and something that begins wholesome and nice and happy and ends up destroyed and brutal and horrible what gone girl does which is, is very clever and very interesting is it starts with the end and dissolution and the breakdown of this this marriage and suburban dream it's like nick coming home to the smashed wife uh, the smashed house the possibility that amy's been murdered the fact that he's been cheating all this sort of stuff that comes out and bubbles beneath the surface. Mm. And it ends with the restoration of this sort of white picket fences, suburban dream where, you know, there's a family unit. Everybody's happy. It's the American dream. It's a perfect image. So it's sort of almost like a reversal of say uh, blue velvet. I think we're meant to feel um, uncomfortable about that. Oh, we are. And, and, and also to, to think, but how, how, how unusual is this? Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, it's been it's been uh, pulled to its extreme. But is this is this a a a comment on 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 the lives that people live and the 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 kind of the compromises and everything that's expected in marriage? Is it? Yeah. No, I think it is. I think there's a very definite. There's an argument to be made that Gone Girl is a companion piece in terms of say Fincher's filmography, leaving aside Flynn's writing, which we'll come back to a bit when we talk about say Amy. But in terms of Fincher's filmography, there's an argument to be made that, say, Fight Club is a movie that is about a crisis in modern masculinity. So this idea of men as, as the image that they project of themselves, as commodities that bought and buy and sell, this idea of like fitting in in a world that, that isn't necessarily reflective. And there of is what a certain amount of that in this movie, yeah. too. Yeah, and I think Gone Girl is a companion that, in that it's, it's almost like the sarcastic reversal of that, in that it's about marriage. So it's, if, if fight it's club, actually applying some balance to 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 those ideas of 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 gender identity and as being a person in a relationship yeah. and in the world, I yeah. suppose. Yeah. So if, if like Where, whereas it's about, not just about being a man. No, it's about being a couple. Yeah. And it's it's portrayed almost in the exact same way. Like in in Fight Club, the idea is that you're so thrown into a crisis of modern masculinity and like identity and all this sort of stuff that you want to punch something really hard in the face. And like at one point in Gone Girl, Amy actually says, we are so cute, I want to punch us in the face. And we're like, you're just imagining a different world where sort of it went down. When, when I'm watching their meet cute at the beginning, I'm thinking, oh, this is just so impossibly cute. Uh, how, how are we supposed to kind of feel for these people? But, it, but it, it's, it's, it's actually intentional. Yeah, it's, 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 it's so annoyingly perfect. And it's meant to be. Yeah, it's yeah. it's because you're hearing this from her diary, which obviously is written. And one of the things I, I like about it is that pretty much everybody involved in Gone Girl, all the major characters are writers in one form or another. So, for example, uh, Amy and Nick mm. both write at magazines. She writes That's advice a very columns. Good point. Uh, Nick writes uh, how to be a man columns, advice columns on how to be a man. So they're and, all kind of constructing this reality for themselves. Yeah. And yeah. Amy learned it from her parents who fictionalized and improved upon her childhood. There's a really great sequence of the sequence where Nick proposes to her, where they're at the book launch, where amazing Amy, the character that was based on her as a child, is getting married. And so Nick sort of, you know, Amy complains that uh, amazing Amy's always been one step ahead of her, I think is the exact quote she uses. That, that's quite the cringy proposal. It is, but it's, it's constructed. It's done in front of a bunch of other writers so that it can be written into the story and it can be narrativized and it can be, it can be built into this mythology of a, of a modern marriage in the same way that amazing Amy is built into this narrative of an ideal childhood. Yeah. I, 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 like, I, I feel like it, it's, it was an intentional choice for the viewers to, to kind of look at them and say, oh, yeah. those people are yuck. 
And, and as it goes on, it's like, how, how are we supposed to feel sorry for these people? Look at this huge house they have. These two people are essentially unemployed. Yes, which is actually interesting, right? Because one of the things... Because the recession hit, and they were out of a job. And this is where they end up. In, in, a, in a gigantic mansion in the middle of suburbia and Missouri. Yeah. Which is, you know, it's for two people and their cat. Which, yeah. by the way, you, I think you were very suspicious of the cat. I kept seeing this cat, and it was like, the cat knows something. The cat is up to something. The big twist at the end is that the cat's behind it all. Yeah. But um, I actually, I like, I think that's almost a point the movie's making. It's been argued that, like, Gone Girl is a thriller for the recession era, in that it's very much a film about mortgage and uh, about mortgages, about subprime mortgages, about this image that couples project this need to be successful and to spend money that you don't necessarily have. Um, and so you have stuff like you have the contrast between not the... only that, but they're they're about to have a baby to save their marriage, like before and after the disappearance. Yes, yeah, but I mean, even even just leaving that aside, there's an element of economic horror to what's going on. Like Flynn, for example, who's who's admitted that she drew on some of this, some of her own life for this, was laid off in 2009 from her work at Entertainment Weekly as part of the the recession. So when she writes about Amy and Nick losing their jobs writing during the recession, she understands that. And there's this element of like the town where they live has this mall that's abandoned. And, you know, one of the cops is like, they should burn this place down. And the other cops like, yeah, well, it looks like they tried. So you have this contrast between the reality of what, what life is actually like during the recession, where it's just all these abandoned storefronts and these, you know, sort of drugs, drug users, mm. this place in town where you don't go. And you have this image that Nick and Amy are projecting, which is this idea of like a perfect suburban life in a gigantic house that has so many bedrooms that even the cat has its own room. Yeah. Which is one where, of the things that's Where they're like... trying to construct this reality and, and I think they, they mentioned the word at some point, a fixer-upper. Yeah. Yeah. Well, the fixer-upper where... is used repeatedly and it's often used in terms of people. Yeah. Like the idea is that you, you do to ha- people what you well, do no, to Well, no, no. That, that, that's, that's, that's what I mean. Oh, that yeah. it's, it's you... It's, I think in the movie it's only used in... In relation to people. Yeah. But it, it does also kind of tap into that same primal fear of like that primal idea of economic horror of not of spending money that you don't have. Because one of the things that's fascinating about the relationship between Nick and Amy is it's it's framed in economic terms. He needs her financially. Yeah. And, and that's presented as something emasculating for him, something humiliating, uh, something that would serve perhaps as a motive for murder. He's spending money that he doesn't have. But if he divorces her, he loses everything in the prenup. It's a family unit held together by the fear of what happens economically if they don't. And there's this there's this almost kind of fight club esque sort of moment of, of of release from that where we, we get one of the first twists of the movie. Well, I mean there there are many twists. There's there's the twist that he is having an affair, which which isn't that much of a surprise. They're they're yeah. they're, they're kind of building to it and suggesting it um, as they go along. But when we find out that um, he hasn't murdered his wife and that she has escaped and is trying to frame him for murder she she she's in this jalopy um make making her way to the ozarks and she's living out what um what a lot of people who try to live in the world and try to do their best and try to kind of um keep up with the joneses a fantasy of theirs must be it's just becoming a complete slob yeah like eating what you want when you want to eat it yeah Um, just hanging around in a trailer park smoking cigarettes by the pool yeah a lot uh, of inappropriate smoking. I think one of the first things she does is when she dyes her hair in the in the like rest truck stop car park, um, she immediately lights up a cigarette in the restroom stall. It's like she's so immediately and viscerally free. 
And this is kind of one of the things... That, that was very satisfying for me. I, I, I used to have a fantasy of just getting a job as a security guard at a scrap dump <laughs> and um, just kind of... That, that, would, that, that would, would be it. Yeah, yeah. I would have no aspirations, no, no thought of like diet or exercise or um, you would just be career you. or yeah ambition yeah. this would be like this would be just you would live as pure id you would exactly no yeah, no yeah. idea of image no idea of perception no idea of goals yeah not objects. trying to create any anything yeah <laughs> i could be my true me <laughs> <laughs> the perfect you i don't know if, if we can talk about this in the podcast i mean cut it out if you want but i think i remember when we were younger you had ambitions of being a farmer Philosophy. Oh, I still do. I, I, I mean, what? Um, Would you if, say saying philosopher? I guess might sound a bit pretentious, but yeah, I've d- definitely at some point in my life re- 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 retreating to to an extent. I, I, I when it would, yeah, um, have have it, having a simpler life, living living on a farm, growing my own produce, uh, having a, a farmer's market, and. Spend, spending the evenings kind of reading and writing and just cutting loose from everything that yeah. society expects of you yeah spend, spending the um the first the the light of the day being productive and close to the um to the earth and uh spending the evening uh being uh, creative or free i suppose right. yeah you make it sound much more much more um sort of much more a uh, higher higher calling than what I was sort of what I what I interpreted. I, I apologize. I sort of had that in mind when you suggested Amy cutting loose, like eating the potato chips, <laughs> sitting there with the Kit Kat, which is is one of those nice images because she's, yeah. she's all these Twizzlers and stuff. Twizzlers and uh, what you call crisps, big bags of crisps, sitting sitting in the pool eating crisps, which I think is like when you are ten, that is like the ideal of adulthood. Is that you well, imagine? I recommend this... any adult occasionally uh, on their own to have uh, a kid's birthday party. Uh, just eat crisps followed by chocolate followed by a mineral and then you've got back to the point where you can start at crisps again because it's difficult to eat crisps right after chocolate you have to you have to cleanse the palate almost. yeah 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 so dr- drink a can or a bottle of coke then start again with another bag of crisps another bar, uh, bar of chocolate then have another type of mineral so this time go for a lilt say do, do they have Lilt anymore? I think so. I, no, I haven't so. seen Lilt in a while. No, it's there. All right. We are sort of getting off the, the theme of the movie at the, at the point, but I think there is an, <laughs> there is an element. Do you, do you think? Yeah, just a little bit. <laughs> well, this, this thing about like uh, living in the world and constructing this, this, this kind of... Cutting uh, free of the image of, sort yeah. of the expectations of it. And I think there's an element of that. Because if, yeah, if you are kids... You sort of you imagine adulthood's going to be great fun, and then you discover people. No, expect it is. Things. It is. Yeah, like, but then you discover we, people expect things. Of you. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. But you also like. I I guess, per perhaps in some marriages it can become difficult, and maybe and maybe that's what this movie is about: is that marriage is another layer of expectations that's added to adulthood, and um, that's added to your to your professional um career expectations your familial expectations yeah social expectations exactly it's just another thing on top of that i mean we'll talk a bit more about marriage uh, perhaps when we get towards the end because i have some yeah because we're experts yeah we know much about marriage uh yeah i suspect we'll have a very hard heartful discussion (laughs) point and counterpoint gone girl (laughs) is the depiction of the perfect marriage (laughs) 
Oh, um, it, um, we'll come back to that later. But, yes. Um, as as she's cutting loose, there's this interesting speech she gives, the cool girl speech, which is sort of ties in. Do you want to do you want to talk about that now, or do you want to get back to it later? Um, this idea of no, we can talk about that. Now. So it's it's the big it's one of the movie's iconic moments. Um, it's one of the most quoted moments. It comes from the book as well. The book has a slightly different variation on it. Uh, both the book and the film were written by Gillian Flynn. Um, which There's is... definitely something very empowering about it, and and I felt like it's the part of the movie where you say to go and girl, uh, you go girl. Yeah, no, there's because this is the moment where which which is very problematic. Is is one of one of the many problematic, but it, it's symbolic. It is. Well, it's the moment yeah. at which like Amy gets like up until that point in the film, Amy has been purely almost an aspirational figure. She's only oh, yeah. appeared in flashbacks. She's only appeared as um, Nick and her parents describe her. In her own words, it's a diary. It's a narrative. It's a, yeah. like this is the first time we actually get to see Amy as Amy. As a and, badass. And it's just this scorching, eviscerating sort of screed. Barracuda. Yes. It's incredibly, it's, it's, it tears into this idea of the expectations that modern culture has of women and that women allow of themselves. This idea yeah. of the, the cool girl as the girl who panders the expectations of her man or the, the one yeah. who uh, somehow like shovels food into her mouth remains a size two tolerates sports bars shaves her vagina yeah all that sort of stuff and basically how these expectations have been internalized and accepted by women this sort of it is an iconic moment so i sort of did, did a bit of research apparently the cool girl speech was inspired by um Gillian flynn watching cameron diaz in there's something about mary um, that was apparently where that speech came from, watching her and watching the character, because she's like, she's just looking for a man she can go to the ball game and eat hot dogs with. Oh, uh, While she's also a doctor who will provide all his material needs uh, and has a filthy sense of humor. And it's like, you can tell that this is a construct that was written by men. Yeah. Like, yeah. this is like, if you can um, imagine the perfect woman. Yeah, and, and, and that's, this is the perfect sort of, um, I guess, counterpoint to that. Is this like, oh, you thought I was that? Well, um... Well, I'm something completely different because you expected me to act like that. Part, part, of, part of me prefers the homicidal... Um, a homicidal Amy to the cool girl Amy does. Yeah. Like, part of me... Like, Maybe the, it's just me. Well, no, I mean, the speech, is, the speech is phenomenal to the point where the speech almost... The speech feels like character motivation so justification. It is so feisty. And, that, that, and it that, makes sense. That sounds condescending to even say. No, but it makes sense, I think, is the thing. Like, I think... We've all, and this is two guys talking about feminism on a podcast. So we obviously know exactly what we're well, talking about. I, 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 I have, I have my uh, a feminism card in in my wallet. I'm officially a, a card carrying feminist. Nice, good call. But I, I do think there is some truth to it, even as even as an observer. Of... It's me just patting myself on the back. Well, don't worry. I'm not going to do it for you. In there, I went, went, went to the effort of having Actually, a, a, having a piece of paper, laminated properly, print out. Did you put your picture on it? Well, I didn't. Oh, somebody else did. Um, anyway, in the clubhouse, <laughs> you have a clubhouse. That's pretty cool. No, no, okay. there, 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 there is no clubhouse. Oh, okay. But anyway, so here is sort of here is Thin talking about writing um, the the cool girl speech. It came about as a writing exercise. Whenever I ha- kind of have writer's block, I don't let myself stop writing. I'll back away and kind of approach things differently, like those old-fashioned college writing course exercises. And so at the time, Amy didn't write quizzes. She wrote a column for a women's magazine. I thought, I'll write a column from Amy's point of view. And I wrote two or three columns, and I wrote the cool girl column when I was in a fugue state, all in one afternoon. I never got up. It was just sweating over the keyboard. I was so into it. 
and I've never articulated any of it before and I really liked it. One of my rules about writing exercises is you're never allowed to put them in your book because it's just too tempting. You try to shoehorn things that don't belong. So I didn't put it in the book for a long time, but I just liked it so much and it did feel like it came from Amy. It did feel like it had to do with personas and trying on things. It did resonate with what she'd been doing. And so I felt it was fair to put that in there. And I'm so glad I did because it's the one thing that I hear about all the time from people. And, and it certainly takes the movie into, into this interesting area because yeah. it, 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 it changes things. It dramatically reverses things because yeah, and uh, it, it makes it makes this movie so interesting. You could have left that out and and had this movie um, maybe follow uh, Nick, yeah, or and 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 go along systematically as it had been going from from that point, following this story. Yeah, um, but it 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 it, it goes it goes to 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 numerous strange places. It goes to the Ozarks. And then it goes to Doogie Hauser's house. Yeah, um, Doogie Hauser's lake house as well. Doogie, Doogie Hauser's lake house. With Desi Collins, uh, her old college boyfriend. But I mean, let's let's before we sort of make that leap, let's talk about. So, did you think Nick did it at any point watching the film? Because one of the when I was watching it the first time, my first guess was that the twist was going to be that Nick actually did it. That was going to be the big reversal. It was going to be that actually Nick, despite appearing to get it on our side, appearing to sort of like to manipulate us and get us on side, was actually responsible for her death. I was thinking that for the first half hour while I was first watching the film. Yeah, like that that would have been interesting um as well because in when when the movie starts where we're seeing things from his point of view. He says at some point I'm so sick of being picked apart by women. He does. This is when and, he's watching the Abbott show or whatever with his sister nitpicking. Yeah. His, yeah. Which is almost and like a female detective as well. Um asking people to say yeah yeah men have it so bad they really do well i mean he, in fairness his father is also a raging misogynist as well he gets his father appears in two scenes oh yeah and his yeah. immediate character trait is raging misogynist yeah yeah so in order to 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 kind of faint that way and then and then to bring it back to say to change to cha- to 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 try and play with people's sympathies and then to to have, to have had that reveal um, that he was the killer would 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 be interesting in its own way because because it it would it would be asking us to kind of like cha- challenge how we feel about misandry like yeah. I suppose misandry or something so about well as 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 in um are are we are we so quick to jump to the conclusion that um that he's just a poor guy um who is the victim of of these uh, man hating mm. Um, women but this is yeah this is one of the things like the film has a very mixed legacy in terms of like i've actually seen gone girl used as a verb online like there's an element it's like fight club there's an element of sort of fandom of people who watch this film and love this film but seem to have done it without necessarily applying any sense of irony or or yeah so that's what i mean by like that this movie is problematic yeah um uh, yeah because i mean like during the the johnny depp amber heard divorce for example there were like horrible accusations that she was faking it or manipulating it i mean gone girl is, is based around like fake rape accusations and stuff like that which are things that that stuff actually was, was very uh uncomfortable to... yeah yeah because it, it it it's it's in ways it's it's an irresponsible choice to, to well, it's a dangerous to choice. A very dangerous choice in a movie. But this movie makes those choices anyway. It and it is I guess courageous in that. However, 
Um, obviously, yeah, it, 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 it's it's not a surprise that um, yeah the, that that this movie can inspire that. yeah, which is 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 terrifying, and it's I don't think it's a problem with the movie. I think it's very much a problem with people watching the movie, obviously. Yeah, but it, it is something that like Flynn has has had to face repeatedly. Um, so in terms of like talking about her earlier novel, Sharp Objects, the one that she wrote before Gone Girl, which had a similar sort of twist and a similar element of like presenting women as vicious and manipulative and sort of at sort of exploiting these or, or playing into these tropes of like women as as like damsels in distress, as manipulative, as psychopathic and sociopathic. Uh, her response was, it's not a particularly flattering portrait of women, which is fine by me. Isn't it time to acknowledge the ugly side? I've grown wary of the spunky heroines, brave rape victims, soul-searching fashionitas that stock so many books. I particularly mourn the lack of female villains. Good, potent female villains. Not ill-tempered women who scheme about la scheme to land good men and better shoes, as if we had nothing more interesting to war over. Not chilly wasp mothers, emotionally distant doesn't necessarily mean evil. Not soapy vixens, merely bitchy doesn't qualify either. I'm talking about violent, wicked women. Scary women. Don't tell me you don't know some. The point is, women have spent so many years girl-powering ourselves to the point of almost parodic encouragement that we've left no room to acknowledge our dark side. Dark sides are important. They should be nurtured like nasty black orchids. So Sharp Objects is my creepy little boutique. If that's the case, then Gone Girl is her creepy little florist. Wow. You know? Yeah, and, and I like that she's not afraid to write that book and write the screenplay for this movie and put it out there and not worry about how stupid people are going to yeah. interpret it. Which I think is, is one of the things about great art. Because like of course there are some people who are going to point and say, see, this this is what women are... Are, are really like. Yeah. yeah. This is what, you know, they're just waiting to set up men. You know, rape doesn't happen. It's all just women lying about it. I mean, why would they wait to come forward and all that crazy misogynistic sexist nonsense that you get whenever any woman tries to make herself heard about these things? Hmm. And 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 I can I can totally sympathise as well with with people who champion the, these issues having a problem with this movie because it's it does uh, have these kind of subtleties and and questions in it in in a in an area where it's it's which is very problematic and very thorny and stuff like that of course and I I think like I think. Like Gone Girl, the the clever thing about it is that it doesn't just present Amy as as vicious or manipulative or psychopathic. Like it places her in a context where these are the only weapons that are available to her. Like she doesn't have the same options as as Nick when it comes to like brute force or in terms of like forcing him in the same way that he can force her. Amy has to rely on stuff like say soft power and stuff like that. All she's done is she's weaponized. The way the patriarchy is sort of structured with its expectations. Talk for a second. She's also killed a guy. <laughs> yeah, and she. We'll, we'll get. We'll get. There, we'll get he. He, yeah, he makes she, that he, point at some point. He's like, "You killed a guy." And she sort of. She, her response is, "How many women could say they killed for you?" Um, and and it's like, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Which which is which is what I meant earlier about this isn't meant to be a a, a realistic. World. Uh, world or no. like a believable thriller it's at more all. of a satire it actually feels more like yeah. something like war of the roses absolutely for the 21st century 
But anyway, so Amy is alive and she's manipulating events and she's faking events and she's sort of, she's even like ringing tip lines and stuff like that and she's following the online news coverage and there's this wonderful, like, the media narrative that builds up around Nick, which is fascinating because it is, in many ways, like, Gone Girl is a story of two writers trying to outright one another and in some ways I think it's a movie that kind of speaks to, was it what Stephen Colbert describes as the post-truth era, which I think is what we live in at the moment, where facts have no relationship to reality. It's only yeah. what feels inherently right. Yeah, and they're try- they're, the lawyer is trying to get him to, to, to get ahead of the narrative. Yeah, and to turn it. And what he needs to do is he needs to undermine and subvert yeah. the narrative. Which is- as a defense lawyer, it's not important um, what has actually happened. It's important what, what perceptions are. Yeah, which is it's something like I think the, the People versus O.J. Simpson did that very well when it looked at the, the O.J. Simpson trial. The, the fact that... like. In court, and one of the things that I've studied law, so this is going to be a boring Darren tangent, feel free to fast forward on it. But this idea that, like, in an adversarial system, which is what exists in the United States and your and sort of and England and the UK and Ireland, as opposed to the uh, inquisitorial system, which exists in Europe, the adversarial system assumes that there are two dueling narratives of events there's the defense and the prosecution. One of them is true and one of them is false. So it's very much about constructing a convincing story or version of events, as opposed to the inquisitive system, which is about finding the middle ground and finding the truth that lies maybe between those yeah. two versions. I mean, what actually happened versus, versus, versus you say this happened, you say this happened, um, one of you is telling the truth, rather than, rather than just pointing towards... Um, I'm saying you're entirely right. Yeah, but like yeah, trying trying to, to I, I suppose discover reality rather yeah. than aversion. Yeah, which is is I think one of the things that Gone Girl does really well because it begins this sort of before Nick is even convicted because the cops the detective investigating the case seems initially she gives him very much the benefit of the doubt even as all the media around him is is very much sort of scrutinizing him and arguing constructing this case based on little things like him smiling. Mm. Like he, he he has a pie eating grin. He has a pie eating grin, and he has a he takes what? a selfie with uh, with a woman who makes casserole. What like, um what what classification did this movie get? It is eighteen. It yep. is eighteen. Yeah, well, yeah, you, there were, there was, there's a lot of penis in this movie. There, yeah, there was some, and and uh, do do we get to see both Neil Patrick Harris and Ben Affleck's? Penis? Yes, we do indeed. And, Which, we, and, and, and we we get to see some breasts as well. We do. So everybody wins in this in this in this movie. We don't have to. We get to. Yes. Um, it is, uh, which is interesting. When you Google Gone Girl GIFs, you'll never guess which GIFs appear first. Apparently Ben Affleck's penis is considered a, uh, a national treasure. For oh, all of, Yeah, it is. That's Batman's penis on there. For all of like the quarter of a second that you get to see it in shot. Yeah, the, the, like the it, it's been I, described it's, as an Evian bottle. It's for like a, a a quarter second. Yeah, it's 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 a good piece of kit. It is right there. Anyway, how did we get onto this? We were talking about media. <laughs> I, Andrew when, just really when, wanted to talk. When, yeah, yeah, yeah. My my obsession with nudity. Yeah, when when <laughs> when they said pie eating grin. Yeah, you were thinking about something else. Yeah, yeah. I was I was thinking what kind of pie. Yeah. Uh, but no, they, Andrew keeping things classy. Um. But no, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, 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 I thought they'd. But yeah, it's, 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 it's fun to, to, to use phrases like pie eating grin. Um, it is rather than eating grin. But uh, Nick is Nick is really terrible at this at first, actually. Which is the which is part of 
Like, Gone Girl is really darkly comic, and part of the dark comedy oh, comes from, from how um, incredibly out of his depth Nick is. Like, Nick a, is standing by a picture of his missing wife, until, and a photographer yells, smile. Yeah. And Nick's response is not to look serious and glower and seem disappointed that his wife's been kidnapped. It's to flash that broad, pie-eating grin. Yeah. There is no way this will come back and bite when, me. When, when he meets um, Tanner Bull, played by Tyler Perry... Um, the whole the whole uh, dynamic between them is t- Tanner Bolt's like, man, you crack me up. Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 like this this is some hilarious stuff. It's like this man's uh, this man has been framed for murder by 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 his missing wife, or he murdered her. <laughs> Either way, this is the best story I've heard in ages. Yeah, are you laughing me out of the building? I think Nick has at one point. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and. You know, and Tanner's response is not, oh, no, I'm not laughing. Yeah. It's like, no, no, I'm laughing, but you can stay in the building. And he's saying, like, your wife is one one, one crazy <laughs> piece of work, and I specialize in... Yeah, you two, you are two of the most effed up people I know, and I specialize in effed yeah. up. Um, but it is, there's something like, there's a sense that, like, for Tyler, for Tyler Perry, sorry, for um, Tanner Bolt, this is all just one amusing sideshow. Yeah. This is like he's going to eat for free on this story for the next twenty years. Yeah, which 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 is a good reminder to us that that that, that this movie is a bit of fun. Yeah, well, no, it is because I mean, it never even 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 the murder of Doogie Howser, <laughs> which we'll get to in a second. Yeah, when when like she, she has this thing where yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm, we we can get to it, but where she's set up as this Stepford wife. Yes. In in in, in his perfect house. Yes. And so... <laughs> He so after like, she gets she gets, so she she gets robbed or whatever she gets sort of um, I brought you some designer clothes. Yes. Um, Would you care for some wine? You'll feel better when you look like yourself. I'm and the great scene where Neil Patrick Harris staring at Rosamund Pike puts his hand on the wooden finish of the door, strokes it gently down and says, "I can't wait to get reacquainted with the old you." Ah. Or the moment when he has to clarify, "I'm not going to force myself on you." It's like yes, this is this is what natural conversation sounds like. Yeah, it's like I'm a total creep, but I'm not that bad. Yeah, there are lines that we exist. By the way, your every movement will be watched inside outside the house. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not letting you out of my sight. I think is an exact line. I think is... another exact line line is I am a complete and utter creepazoid. That may have made the deleted scenes, I think. It, it may have. A song and dance number with Neil Patrick Harris <laughs> yeah. performing the entire I'm a Total Creepazoid. But it is, it is, um, yeah, th- that was, I think, a point where, where we both sort of... It, it, like, I didn't really feel like a person had died <laughs> when, <laughs> when, when he was killed. Um, <laughs> you didn't feel like something had been taken from the world, no? No, no. <laughs> You were more surprised that something didn't slither out of its skin suit. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lizard person. Yeah, underneath it all. Well, he is great. I mean, the entire cast is, is great, to be honest. Apparently, Ben Affleck was cast by um, David Fincher because he wanted... <laughs> David Fincher, A, wanted somebody who could look incredibly seedy doing even the most innocuous things. And on the commentary, Fincher talks about like um, how other actors, when they check their phones subtly, it looks like they're doing something. Ben Affleck... You get the sense he's done this a lot. Just like casually check the phone and put it back in the pocket. If I was his wife, I'd be a little bit suspicious. Jennifer Garner? Uh, ex-wife. Yes. Ex-wife. Okay. Yes. Um, which wasn't at the time Fincher recorded the commentary. Ah. Yeah. Um, Finch, David Fincher had the inside track. Oh, Fincher. Yeah, you observer of human nature, you. He also apparently uh, cast him because he wanted somebody who understood the media circus. 
So he wanted somebody who Oh, yeah, been, yeah. Like, he was he was in the... What's it called? Benefer? Yes, Benefer for a while. And subject to all the scrutiny and subject to all the hate. Just Just, like, that's another theme of this movie is that whole kind of like media world. Of, that exists separate from the real world. Yeah, which which I guess makes sense for Gillian Flynn to write about that having worked in... What did you say? Entertainment? She worked in entertainment. She wanted to be a crime writer, uh, but she found that she couldn't do it. I guess that's it. an intersection. Though. It, it is a point of intersection. Apparently she did... Um, you know the sequ- you know the great montage where Amy explains how she fakes the murder. Mm. Apparently, Gillian Flynn faked most of that herself to see if it could be done, um, which is great. I, I imagine her pregnant I'd say friends. Her husband her. was a <laughs> little freaked out. Yeah, it's like I thought you were dead. Yeah, <laughs> but she, um, in terms of apparently, and and this was for for thirty days. She went missing. <laughs> no more the more the the sort of the uh, breaking of stuff. The uh, reading of crime books i do love that like when we cut to the montage of like earlier in the film when nick is asked what amy does all she's day. a voracious reader yeah. she's always writing she's always reading books about like how <laughs> how to stage the perfect crime and watching these true crime documentaries on television like you get the sense like nick nick almost kind of deserves what happens to him even though he didn't murder his wife just by virtue of being so incredibly oblivious. He's and so oblivious. He is so ob- and completely unaware of what's going on. It's like, That's oh, the danger of having an affair with, 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 with a woman in her early 20s. Is you, you, your, the rest of your brain will just switch off. Yeah, you'll be like, oh, another true crime book. Uh, I gotta go to go write some books, like, uh, do some stuff. Yeah, uh, keep the bar. Yeah, very meta. Very yeah. meta. And uh, the... the there seems to be an ambivalence about infidelity, I think, in in culture, that 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 bothers me. And maybe that maybe I can seem even like a bit like out of touch or something. But I I, I don't like how how um, like it's seen as a bad thing. But 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 as obviously are, are you I'm, objecting it to it being seen as a bad thing or no 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 okay. I'm, I'm 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 saying i'm saying it is it's, but it's just not as bad it's should be presented as something worse than it's it it it, 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 it feels like it's something that's that's been normalized so much and like it, you you encounter this a lot in 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 the world people kind of talking about infidelity in terms of ah, it just happens but yeah um, and I suppose it does, like, and 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 that's life, and that it just seems kind of depressing the the extent to which people are willing to to tolerate it. Yeah. Well, I think I think that's one of the things that I do like about Gone Girl is that, like, and I don't want to say that I I sympathize with Amy, and I think everything she does is justified or anything like that. But I think the movie allows her to make as compelling a case as possible for her husband's betrayal in some way justifying the hell that she wreaks upon him like yeah. nick is not I, a good I love, person I, I, like, yeah nick, i i did enjoy um like, if um i don't know what this says about me but the enjoy the the revenge fantasy because yeah. i i i do think infidelity is 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 a, a serious well it's it's a massive betrayal in terms of like a commitment that you make to somebody yeah. and like having that cast aside or discarded which essentially means discarding your identity and your own autonomy and like everything that you've sacrificed for to be with that person. I'm surprised that for a moment there I sounded like I was being like, why is everyone making a big deal <laughs> yeah. about this? Yeah, it just happens. People are making out like he did something wrong. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, I do, and I think that I think the movie 
one of the things that sort of strikes me is that it's very similar to have you seen the japanese movie audition oh yeah yeah that, that that's again taking the it's a symbolic sort of revenge fantasy for patriarchy basically yeah 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 I, like and yeah it, 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 Mike, it, I, we recommend seeking it out i think do we both recommend seeking it out um it gave me nightmares as a 12 year old boy yeah yeah did um it's i i think it's is it ryo morikami or i don't know do we need to go to the fact machine uh we can go to the fact machine if we need to i know takeshi mike directed it anyway oh yeah yeah so hold on and we're back from the fact machine it turns out andrew was entirely correct yeah um i hope i'm pronouncing this right ryo morikami uh writes a lot of um uh disturbing uh novels um have you read the book no no um i um partner one time was was reading um i think it was called almost transparent blue and i kind of picked up a little bit of it and read it and <laughs> and i'm 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 not so yellow uh but um uh, I, I i found i found it, it was it was a bit difficult for me yeah it's kind of yeah heavy and uh, oppressive Kind of, yeah, so it is. And I think there's an element of that to to Gone Girl, where it feels almost like Amy's attack upon Nick is an attack upon, say, upon patriarchy and upon... Yeah, it's... Uh, it's Gender it's, norms and expectations. It's not about whether it's justified, because no. of course it can't be. No. It's about what... Um, um, what is it a response occurs, to? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and 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 what is that saying about the... Because, of course, we, we, can't, we can't respond to to what well, some people do <laughs> respond to um issues of 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 infidelity in 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 these ways yeah um that, it, that people um can have a a um, horrible fantasy ab- ab- about something like this or that somebody can get some sort of vicarious thrill or catharsis something. yeah or, or yeah or have to stop themselves i suppose from 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 like seeing a, a yeah and i think that's one of the things that's good about it taking place in a world that is not clearly the real world in that a sense that this is is very much a fantasy yeah like in the same way let's say there are parts there are arguments of interpretations of audition that argue that the film's climax takes place entirely in the head of the woman uh, involved rather than taking place in the real world so i think that there's an element of like this is just a symbolic expression of something um, it's just rendering literal almost mm. sort of like the instead of it being a, a spiritual death it's it's a literal death of Amy, yeah. you know it's like the um it's that movie is it teeth the, the oh yes, Tentata the, yeah. movie yeah yeah and 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 there, there's 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 a reason why these movies are out there yeah, yeah. because it is something that yeah that does occupy the subconscious and get people thinking i think and it's something that lurks in the background it's something that sort of that is yeah there's there's a lot of stuff in Gone Girl that should not be read literally. I guess no. it's not at all read literally, but which still resonates, I think, in some way with the way that our culture perceives and interprets and reads events. So I think that, for example, like infidelity is a grievous betrayal, and it is in some ways a murder of of something. It's, it's, yeah, you know. But it it it's not even just her response to the affair with the student. To the, yeah, to the affair with the student. It's also a response to, I guess, her... Being dragged to Missouri. Yeah, the, this cage that her marriage has become. Yeah. And, and she, she feels like she wasn't really consulted or thought about. And that 
I, saw, I, saw, I only uh, wish he'd just asked. She yeah. writes in the diary. Now, and to as, be fair, aside, she... aside, aside from aside from being cheated on, it's being um, ignored or, or not really kind of. I feel like something that was packaged by mistake, something to be jettisoned if necessary. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, which is 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 very effective, and I think there's a lot of sort of truth in that. I think there's a lot of sort of expectations and that sort of behavior that we expect. And I think even in terms of of marriage and compromises, it is. These are the sort of things that are maybe more expected from a wife than from a husband. Mm. Um, I think I think if you didn't have the um, the infidelity in it, it, w- it would be difficult to to imagine to relate on any level. Yeah. yeah, to have a triggering event. I mean, or, or, or on any sufficient level, I should say. Here's a question for you, right? Because I think there's, it'll be a toughie. It is going to be a toughie. No, but in terms of how Gone Girl treats marriage, it seems to treat marriage as as something akin to a cage as something akin mm. to something in which both partners are asked to uh, sacrifice um, and something in which both partners are asked to surrender something to themselves so like yeah. nick is asked to surrender his independence and his sense of masculine identity in that like he needs the money from amy and he gets the prenum from amy and amy is asked to surrender her ambitions of like well, living in New York is the most obvious one, but ha- being something more than just a wife. Mm. You know, she sit her and she sits around the house all day by herself. She reads and she writes, but she there's a recurring sense that she doesn't have much of a life, and she's given all of that up in order to be the loving spouse for for Nick. Mm. Um, and I think that here's a question for you: Is the marriage at the end of the movie any better than the marriage at the start of the movie? So is there an argument to be made that Amy is in some perverse, psychotic, sociopathic way correct in that she argues that like for a marriage to work, there needs to be a sense of competition between the two partners involved, that they need to feel like they challenge one another, that they rise to the occasion. That like the moment she gave up on Nick was the moment that he stopped trying to solve the, the treasure hunt, for example. That she needs to present him with a challenge and he needs to present her with a challenge. And they both need to work together to find meaning in that. Do you think there's an argument, a grain of, of truth in that? Like this idea of almost marriage as, as conflict through which people are improved. A crucible. And yeah. that if you lose that, if you become content, if you uh, allow yourself to wallow in it, it becomes suffocating. Yes. Um, I think... Um, Welcome to the Darren and Andrew Relationship Counseling Hour. In an earlier life, I, I, w- I was in a relationship and wondering where whether it was coming to a conclusion or not spoiler did uh but um i was in a i was i was getting a taxi and i started talking to the taxi driver and we had this conversation about like it was basically about how how, how people are very kind of uh risk averse or, 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 sorry not risk averse conflict averse in in relationships and that part part of relationships is um, conflict and is actually having that conflict and working working through that. I wonder if I'm answering your question at all. Um, no, you are. So it's there. There, there's there's a line where she says that's marriage when he's uh, confronted her at the very end of the film, where it's yeah. like we'll resent each other and we'll hate each other um, and all that sort of stuff, and she's like, "Yep, that's marriage." Yeah, where. Um, but there, there, there is, there is also. It's difficult to, like, I, I, personally, no. I mean, I mean, 
there there has to be some sort of basis there that seems to to I don't know if it has completely dissolved there um because she 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 seems quite adoring of him and I don't think that's uh, reciprocation at, at the end of the movie she she's obviously um it's it's made clear that she she's perhaps um a few boy scouts short of a jamboree and she sees him on television and all of a sudden everything changes yeah and um <laughs> and uh, but i i think there might be a shred of affection um in him for for her as as, as well as crazy as 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 that might seem well, there are and and and, which... and if and if there wasn't that, um, I mean, I I think it would be a very cynical um, view of marriage that is two people who, war, yeah, yeah. Um, but like, I I I I, I would I would I would be okay with 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 a consistent view of marriage being two people who love each other, who have problems, and um, who drive one another to be better. Yeah, and it would, well, the, the I, I would be careful about driving each other to be better because I think that that, that this movie has a lot to do with <laughs> status anxiety and a lot to do with the um, uh, attempts we make to pretend to be somebody for other people. Yeah. Although in in some ways that's how they resolve their problems. It's like you you became this person, um, and it's like I became this person because you. Like I knew you would want me to, and it's like yes, yes, because you, you know me because so well. Because you know me so well, and it's like you two are not being authentic people, and this is going to become a problem at some point. So it's what there's this sense that it, Nick no, almost it, enjoys it, 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 like it does, rising to the challenge. Like it, there's a point where he does the interview, and he seems almost giddy with himself for having like outfoxed her and outplayed her. Yeah, like when they're riding in the car, and Margot's like, "You did well," and he's like smiling in the window, you know. And you're like, yep, yeah, Nick is kind of getting off on this a little bit. Yeah. So, like, I, I, I think, I think the two of them may be happy. Do, do I, do I think it's healthy? <laughs> no. <laughs> I, I would argue. I would almost argue. The would I? Would I? Would I? Would I be happy in, in, in this situation? situation? Probably. Would you be? But would you be <laughs> Amy or Nick in that situation? Is the question, Andrew? I like it's such a difficult choice. It really is. But I think. I would, I, I'd I, almost argue the opposite. I'd argue that Nick would... I'd be Nick. I'd, I'd, I'd say Nick would probably ne- never be happy because she's got him over the barrel. But I think that he will almost be uh, a He won't be person. bored. Yeah, he won't be bored. <laughs> he will be a better person as a result of this happening. Like they will yeah. both be, Together they are objectively, by any measure of success, better than they are separate. I don't think he can ever think again that he has a boring well, wife that he's going to run off and have with a student, yeah. yeah. Well, to be fair, he will never cheat again. No, the odds statistically suggest he's that. he's learnt his lesson. Yeah. My favorite bit is where she comes into the bedroom, like after he she's confessed to murdering Desi, and she tucks him in, and she's like, "You know, I would never hurt you." <laughs> <laughs> and there's just this sort of double take from him, almost like you tried to send me to prison. <laughs> you tried to get me the death sentence, and you split your and you slit your ex boyfriend's throat. Are we are we having the same conversation here? I don't know. I would argue that as cynical as it is and as wary as Gone Girl is of that idea of marriage, I think there's an element of it, it accepts that aspect, that competitive aspect of marriage as something that is necessary 
for a marriage to work or for a relationship to work. Yeah. Just it's, obviously it's, in this case taken to its extreme. It's a very satirical movie. Oh, it is. It's, so it's not It's not that this is... Um, literally going to happen. The, yeah, and and it's not either... It's it's not saying that um, uh, this is how marriages should work. It's it's almost saying this, this is, is how marriages... Actually work. Yeah, or how, how many marriages appear to work um, in, in the society that we live in yeah. because... Of what we've become and what expectations we've heaped yeah. upon ourselves, and it's a, it's a um, an, an allegory. Yeah, yeah. No, it is. It definitely is. It's not meant to be literal. It's it's a symbolic exploration of kind of ideas like marriage and stuff. Like yeah, that and, and, and relationships. A, and she 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 is a sort of a an antihero. Yeah. Um, Rosamund Pike is is fantastic. By the oh way. yeah, and I, and uh, Ben Affleck. They they're both great. I mean, one of the things I like about Pike's performance though is in the early sequences. You know the moment where you are like they are almost too cute. They are they are so cute that nobody believes that this is credible. There's something almost uncanny about uh, Pike's performance. Mm. That then sort of when you peel back the layers later and discover that actually she's bonkers. Yeah, um, and know. and and when she's playing the the Stepford wife. And and, oh, when, yeah. and when she when she play, comes back and when she comes back covered in blood and she's playing for the um, for the FBI yeah she's and, doing the sympathy and she's delivering that withering uh, takedown of the local authorities yeah yeah where the, the local cop raises her hand and she's like but what about the and like <laughs> if this case had been left in your incompetent hands I would have been left tied up and brutally and like okay and the, yeah. the, the male I'm detectives feel, are I'm like feeling very weak <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> like it is like. Amy Amy Elliot Dunn is a fantastic character in terms of like a like a Hannibal Lecter or like a Joker in like a sort of a, a an almost cartoonish supervillain sort of way. And there there is no um there's an element of id to her. Yeah, and 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 this character pretty much comes out of nowhere. Oh yeah, it does cuz yeah. cuz for the first like, half, like yeah. we we could we could try and think about like how 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 is this how is this person born? Because we're 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 holding a, a children's book for uh, Amazing Amy um, in our hands and, here, and, yeah. and what kind of neurosis that could have created? But I don't think it could account for everything that happened. No, uh, which is and it yeah because it obviously is. There's no element. She's no more real than someone like the Joker or like say yeah. Magneto or like Hannibal Lecter. It's making something quite mundane. Um, and, and escalating uh, it, and and uh, yeah, making it very fantastical and compelling. Yeah, um, and then turning our eyes back to 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 something quite mundane, which deserves to be thought about, and talk, which is, is something I think is great, and I think it's something that gets glossed over when you talk about the movie being sort of pulpy, and because it is, it is very pulpy, and it is very sort of like let's talk about Desi. Initially, in the first half of the movie, he's presented as a character who seems like he's going to be revealed as the kidnapper. Yeah. Because he's he's shown in photos um, of them together as a couple when they're younger, and you're like, oh, that's Neil Patrick Harris. And he's that's a very small role for Neil Patrick Harris. And later on, he shows up volunteering to help with the search Well, I don't know. I, I thought the role he eventually got was quite a big role for <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris. <laughs> it's all about finding symmetry, really. Yeah, yeah. But he is... That, he... Like, at no point <laughs> does it seem like Neil Patrick Harris is the right size of role. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, it, like, it, it, it was, it was, it was, it was really... very good casting. It's great casting because it is so, uh, so uncanny. Whereas Affleck is, is cast 
perfectly because of his like his experience in the media and the image that he projects for himself. <laughs> Neil Patrick Harris plays very much against that. Yeah. Um, in that he's portrayed as this sort of stiff, creepy, uptight, uptight um, yeah. prep student. He was the original project that Amy worked on, and you get a sense of like this is this is this is what Amy envisages. Maybe Nick turning out like was it? He can quote. 18th century philosophers discuss 19th century impressionists and quote Proust in French. And he is also completely psychotic. He is in many ways the perfect match for Amy, except he's not as smart and he's, he's not as clever or canny as Amy is. Yeah. He, um, yeah, there's this kind of like, like if we, if we discovered more about him and it's like, yeah, if we discovered all of this weird stuff, from from De- Desi's childhood, who'd be like, yeah, that checks out. That makes sense, but we don't. We don't get any context apart from the fact that she dated him when they were in in a prep school together. Yeah. Uh, she broke up with him, and he committed suicide in her bed, or uh, committed attempted suicide in her bed. And then he still writes her letters because they believe in quote the lost art of letter writing unquote. Yeah, which he is says that very unnervingly. Which... It's like we believe in the lost art of letter writing. Which tells you, I think, just about everything you need to know about Desi from the outset. Yeah. So, like, after she runs off to this, this there trailer are, There park. are ways you could deliver that where it could seem like, you Casual. know what, I should write a letter. Yeah. I haven't, uh, that's a nice thing to do. Yeah. But when, when, <laughs> when, when he says it, it's just like, yeah. yeah. The, he probably also collects dead moths. Of course, of course he's a psychopath. <laughs> he writes letters. <laughs> but he, there is, there's something great about that interaction where, like, after Amy disappears, Nick goes and visits. Like, he starts sort of digging up history. He, so He, he collects he, dead moths and yeah. his mother forced him to wear uh, women, girls' clothes when yeah. he was a that, child. That, yeah. So, like, there's a Buffalo Bill-type basement underneath the lake house. Yeah. But there is, like... Again, he has this fantastic house. Which, which is which a make, recurring theme. Which makes the... their house in Missouri look like a piece of crap. It really does. It, um... But it, it's a lake house. So much affluence. How are we meant to feel anything for these people? <laughs> like, How are we meant to feel any sense of adequacy? Anything but jealousy and yeah. hatred. Yeah. Well, I mean, it works out grand in Desi's case, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Uh, what is it? He... Such nice wine glasses, too. Yeah. See those? <laughs> but like this, where they watch the news when they're, they're eating creme brulee. Yeah, yeah. Um, like, this is how posh they are. Yeah, I wanted to see the, the crispy part of the creme brulee that you crack through with the spoon. The, the 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 little bit of uh, caramelized sugar crackly at the top, sugar yeah. at the top yeah it, it, instead it, it just sort of droops there's like a, there's... yeah it's like it's like it like there's a right way to eat a creme brulee it seems like I I, I feel like we have a few minutes to talk about this Darren yeah. don't worry yeah that um you 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 should have both those textures the whole way through. So you I go feel, down. I, yeah, first, down I, feel, I feel like they're eating creme brulee the wrong way. So they're eating oh, the sugar first yeah. and then eating the... It's, everyone has opinions, but like, but like they're wrong about these things. It's, it's like the people who eat Kit Kats from the outside in. Explain to me that. We have, we have a minute for that. They bite the chocolate. And off, leave the wafer. And leave the wafer and then eat the wafer. Okay. Well, at least yeah. Amy eats them the right way. Yeah, it seems like they ate the 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 the, 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 the crispy um, shell. sugar shell um, first. To be fair, that's just to get you the wonderful visual of like Nick giving his apology on television, doing the little chin thing, and Amy having a half. Amy and Desi both having like half a spoon of creme brulee and just a little drop of goop off Amy's sort of still spoon, as if to. Oh, and yeah, also. Um... 
they 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 make um NPH seem like um he's this great cultured uh, individual. Um obviously he didn't let his creme brulee set. Uh, to be fair, it's not as if like it's not as if Desi's defining trait. No, is in patient. fairness, his creme brulee did look exquisite. It's also not as if Desi is the most patient of individuals. To be fair, he's the kind of guy who drops "I won't force myself on you" on like the third date. Um, I won't force myself on you, but like... I do expect there's a gym overlooking the um, overlooking <laughs> yeah. the lake. It's like um, he's he's I'm... basically trying to do to her what she tried to do to uh, herself. Like, well, to Scoot McNary and to to Nick to to basically to remake uh, Amy as he wants her to be. The only difference is that um, while Amy only has, say, soft power over Nick and that she she's the, the system is, is in place so that she can only needle him and manipulate him and stuff like that, Desi uses hard power. So he uses his money, his wealth, his uh, material house. He uses the camera surveilling the house to sort of to force Amy um, to conform in a way that Amy doesn't really have the option to, to do that. So I think that's an interesting contrast that the film suggests. And I think that if we are talking about the film, reading the film possibly as, as a gender commentary... It's important to stress that Desi and, and Amy are very much different sides of the same coin. They just exist within different social contexts. Um, so it, it's it's very much like I suspect the Gone Girl would argue that men and women are constantly trying to change one another, and that relationship there's sort of a form of battle or conflict along those lines, and and that the way the form that those uh, expressions take are different in that. People like Desi have the advantage of, of, of status and a, and a patriarchy, and, and Amy uh, has has to manipulate the narrative. She has to weaponize that and work within that system and exploit its flaws. Although, yeah, I uh, mean, like everybody, well, a lot of people will have a certain sense of like, I would like to be a certain kind of a person, uh, a better person, a decent for being. for 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 my own sake, and also. Maybe to be to be more attractive to other people, and Desi. But yeah, has 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 taken it beyond beyond the point of better to the point of um, yeah the 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 uncanny where everything is just perfect. Which is, and, I'm not sure if it's a makeup design thing or even just Neil Patrick Harris's performance, but there is something where there is something about about he is hilarious Desi. by the way he, he is hilarious in it, but there's something about Desi's appearance and mannerisms. That seem unnatural, almost as if you discovered he was a Disneyland robot, you wouldn't be too surprised. Like he, he doesn't seem right as a person. Everything seems mannered and chosen, and there's a sense that he's picked the person, he's chosen to remain the person that he was at the age of eighteen because he thinks that's what Amy wants, and he's decided that Amy is going to be the person that she was at eighteen because that's what he wants. Um, so he like brings her clothes to wear, and he tells her to go to the gym. And she and he brings has her like hair a dye. perfect haircut. Yeah, and like I, I mean, Rosamund Pike is 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 beautiful. Um, even even when she was trying to be the kind sort of, of rough uh, New Orleans, yeah, sort of New Orleans woman in the Ozarks. Yeah. like it, it wasn't that convincing. No, it wasn't. To be fair, it wasn't as if like. Um, to be fair, that should have been one of the points that they made when they were mugging her. It's like, you don't answer to your own name. You don't... You uh, look like a bloody yeah, you supermodel. Al- you also look like Rosamund Pike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You don't have any tattoos. Um, you look like you belong at the top of the stairs with a glass of champagne. Yeah. Even even with those dowdy glasses on. Yeah. There is, yeah, there is something there about, like, about Desi trying to apply the logic that Amy applies to Nick. So Nick... 
Uh, so Amy tries to make Nick better, and she also tried to make you know Scoop McNary, the, the guy with the ties. She also oh, tried yeah, to remake yeah. him. He's the guy who he, described it as a fixer-upper, like he, annexing. Yeah, he like a w- worryingly, I, I, I sort of proxy for like MRAs. He and, really is. Yeah, he's, yeah. He's he's like the it's character like, that those. He's the real victim of this movie. He is. He's the guy with the people. He took the red pill. Amy forced the red pill down <laughs> his throat. Yeah, yeah. I can't get a job because <laughs> because I'm a sex offender. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, because this woman tricked me into having sex with her um, and tying her to the bed with my own ties. Yeah, he's out every, every, yeah. Like part a, cer- of, a certain kind of guys. It's uh, watching that and going vindication is what yeah. they're thinking. Because part of me sort of wonders like when, because you never hear from that guy again. So part of me sort of wonders if when Nick went back to Tanner with this story from Scoot McNair in the bar, Tanner was kind of like. name Scoot McNair. That's the actor, yeah. Oh, right, 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 right. <laughs> Not the character. You can't make that up. No, it's Scoot McNary. He was also in Batman Superman. He was in Monsters. He was in Argo. He works with Ben Affleck a lot. But Scoot McNair, who is good in everything, is, yeah, is very... That was, that was one, that's one of the scenes I'm particularly uncomfortable with because it is... It's very much like that stuff that you see on Reddit. It's like the stuff that you imagine, like, the, the alt-right believe or that, like, sort of this creepy online sort of lost boys thing that happens. I like that they left it in, though. Right. Like, be, because, like, um, there are going to be people who latch on to it. And, like, I thought it was problematic. But, yeah. like, I, I feel like, I don't it's, feel like... It, 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 like it shouldn't always be um, on the, the filmmaker yeah. to... Um, Ensure that their work is, like, safety-proof. Yeah, exactly. For, like, there, there should be some onus on the person... Watching. Uh, watching the film to be able to interpret it exactly in a way that isn't horribly yeah. misogynistic and i don't think they willfully try to um i think they're probably aware no. of 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 that audience but i don't think they play to that audience i think i think it's sort of intelligently done and i think it's very subversive as well that it doesn't even try to I suppose I don't want to say PC it up because some people say, "Oh, it's PC gone mad," um, as 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 a way to to dismiss something, to dismiss anything. Yeah, but but, it, uh, but it, it's careful in- now. You're sounding like you're going that Scoot McNary had a point. <laughs> yeah, no, no. What I thought was that it was intelligent and yeah. it was for um, a purpose. Yeah, yeah. and it, it it did serve a sort of a purpose. And that, and that, and that, if 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 a person wants to latch onto that in the wrong way, that's on them. Yeah, and it is only what two minutes of a of a two hour and twenty minute film. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But yeah, so basically, Desi is trying to do that with Amy, uh, and it goes spectacularly wrong. Will we talk a bit about his death scene? Because his sure. death scene was one of the scenes. It's one of the scenes that when I'm watching it with people, watching the death scene for the first time was shocking because the movie twists and turns, and it's you think you have a grip on its craziness. Yeah, like you think you understand. Oh, this movie is. Uh, bonkers bonkers you think you understand how crazy Gone Girl is and then the death scene arrives and it's just completely crazy because it is it's amazing it is it's horribly brutal talk, talk to me about your reaction first to it and and then you you've had a few iterations of this where you've got to watch other people's reactions to it talk to me about mine as well well, no, I mean, you, yours, yours was grand. I think you literally just said this movie is crazy quietly to yourself. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah. Whereas, yeah, no, I was watching it with... First one I saw it with was a female friend and she peered through her eyes. Well, she 
she was a little awkward during the the sex scene where Rosamund Pike is like so she pulls his shirt off and she forces him onto the bed and then the box cutter comes out. Yeah. And I don't think even until it happens people expect the box cutter to go as far as it goes because it becomes like Rosamund Pike ends up like in lingerie covered in blood up to her neck uh, while Desi bleeds out on the bed. Yeah. Um, I, I was yeah I said when the box cutter came out I was thinking it was going to be a thing where there would be like stabbing and a struggle yeah. and and he'd sort of he'd, he'd bleed out quietly in the corner or something yeah yeah, um, yeah. as opposed to cutting his juggler masterful <laughs> yes it really was to the point where it looks like she's enrolling in like pasta sauce she was so proud of it yeah she, <laughs> she didn't wash like for days no she, which... was, she was covered in her handiwork until she got back to the house like you imagine like once the police had gotten the like get... a naked sexy shower then yeah i have to know you're not wearing a wire yeah but um and i have to admit i, I like the idea that like the police you would have thought the police would be like okay we've got all the trace evidence you can shower now if you want not that you have to but if you feel the need to and she's no. like no 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 no, no. you could uh, be wearing a wire yeah <laughs> yeah and then she goes home and they have the conversation in the shower and this is the moment where where it seems to finally dawn on nick like nick has had a fleeting awareness throughout the film from the fact that she set him up for murder and tried to frame him but like it's not so much that, but the fact that it worked and she came back to him and she murdered Desi is the point at which Nick seems I to have his... I think there's a certain extent to which he looks at her and thinks, you're magnificent. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, there's a certain amount of, like, um, I'm scared, but I kind of like it. <laughs> yeah, well, I think that that's sort of what I was getting at there with the idea that marriage should be a challenge for both people. Yeah. Uh, maybe not to this extent. Yeah, I think I think Gone Girl may be an extreme example of that, but the idea that of a fulfilling relationship as being like the other person, the your partner is always full of surprises. Actually, Talking. yeah, this this is the kind of uh, do you like pina coladas sort of moment. Do you like washing off blood stains? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm getting checked for wires. Sorry. Do you like killing Neil Patrick Harris with the box cutter of pliers? Sorry. Do you like old seasons of Doogie Howser? After after hearing my last <laughs> rendition on the podcast, I was like, what was I doing? Oh, this was Want to Make a Baby, was it? Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. But yeah, no, there is. I think, there, I think to a certain extent there is an element of that where Nick, like Amy is crazy. Amy is cray cray. But Nick, Nick is kind of into it at points, I think. I think so. I um, think so. And I, I can understand that. <laughs> you can get that. Yeah. It's actually it's, it's, it's all in. Isn't that what they say in Irish? Is what's, what's strange is beautiful. Or what's, what's bad. Insane. <laughs> Insane. Yeah. Is, 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 uh, Oddly <laughs> attractive. Yeah. Yeah. I find myself not... <laughs> Not hating the idea of marriage presented in Gone Girl as something where both partners <laughs> are obligated to approve one another. And I sort of figured you would have a reaction against that. Yeah, I no, I, that I have. <laughs> that, that I have. Uh, so you're kind of more on board with the crazy spouse aspect of it. Yeah, the, 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 the idea of, like to a certain extent that, that happens organically. Where, where two people uh, together do, um, can well, they can also have the opposite effect, yeah. but but they can improve each other, and it's another level of accountability to being um, a person in the world is 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 having somebody there. But but that's also somebody to 
not just to help you to be a better person but to understand when you're not and and to um support you when when you're not at your best and and with amy like i mean nick got it's not like um, nick got a good two years like nick got a solid like two years of not being his best like before. tiger spouses yeah <laughs> helicopter spouses yeah it's like she's taking the approach that her parents took to parenting and she's applying it to marriage yeah um actually there's an interesting question is this is this perhaps a sort of a reflection on like a millennial on millennial attitudes towards towards marriage and towards family and stuff like that where we do have that idea of helicopter parenting and this idea that like well there there there, there is so much more aspirational lifestyles kind of out out there in the 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 world that we have constant access to and yeah. and because um, I was reading this, there's an interesting argument you made about stuff like say Twitter and Instagram and Facebook actually making people less happy because they look at the feeds that are presented to them of their lives and their friends' lives, and because nobody ever takes a picture of the sad moment or the mundane moment, everything is always epic and beautiful. So you have this feed of constant information, not just of people like say Benefer or or like a celebrity couple. Yeah. You have this idea of your friends and people you know who you haven't talked to in, say, a couple of months or years, but you're getting updates and pictures of them smiling primly on holidays, you know, boasting about this fantastic meal they're having, like just living this epitome of an idealized life and the sense that in watching that yourself through these social media filters, through Facebook, through Twitter, through Instagram, that it makes you less happy because you are unsatisfied with what you have because you don't see them having the same struggles that you have. You don't see them making the same compromises that you make. Oh yeah, it's a it's a theme of our generation and of the world that we live in. And I think I think that Gone Girl is, is very much about that. And I think it, it's something that that in the years since Gone Girl, we've seen a lot of imitations of Gone Girl. We've seen a lot of uh, it's a hugely influential uh, film in terms of like in terms of like its influence on genre. So for example, this year we had The Girl on the Train and stuff like that. Mm. But one of the things that distinguishes Gone Girl from its imitations, and I think it's something that say. When you look at other influential pulpy films like, say, Science of the Lambs as well, what it, you know, it has something that separates itself from, from its later iteration limitations. But that Gone Girl actually says something about the moment in which it was made and the moment in which mm. it was released. Is, like, it's a horror story for the recession. Is it, is, it, is it saying this point about the persona that you put out in the world? Is, is, it, is it making the point that in order to, in order to beat that... You have to kind of accept that you you you're you're or you're, you're it. yeah you're pretending, but you're aware but that you're, you're pretending. Yeah, you seize control of your own narrative, which yeah. is what Amy does, and how Nick only really begins to get to grips with what's happening when he does it, when he goes on the yeah. chat show and he he projects to himself. Now he has to call to narrative. Yeah. You know, so they're they're being sincerely and authentic. Yeah ironic it's it's this is the post-factual era there's there's nothing but image filtering through these things yeah and they're aware of it it's it's not they they it's their little secret yeah they are and i think it sort of it works from that uh in that sort of uh that sort of respect i mean there's as i i mentioned we talked about at the start and it's worth coming back to it as we sort of reach the end of the film but in terms of it ends where most suburban films begin. Like, it ends with Amy and Nick reconstructing their suburban marriage and basically accepting that it's a farce and it's a lie, but it's a better lie than the alternatives. Or it's better it's a better lie than the truth for either of them. Mm. Uh, and so, in its own way, that becomes a weird sort of truth in that they, they accept 
they're aware of the lie. They acknowledge the lie, but they choose the lie over reality. Mm. Uh, Amy because she's crazy, and Nick because he's got no alternative. But I think being aware of it is is one thing. You know, I think being aware. And of it also is a because I think he kind of likes her. And because he kind. Of, well, that's the thing. Margot says at the end because there's, like, it's framed in a way. It initially appears that Amy is holding Nick's uh, the her fetus as a weapon against Nick, um, where she's like she's threatening to turn his son against her. Whereas at the end, when he explains all this to Margot, Margot, who's been with him from the womb, who was with him before he was born, who knows him better than she knows anyone, than, or than anyone knows him, observes, you want to stay with her. Like, there's a sense that, yes, this is just an excuse for him. Yeah. Um, that he, he lacks the, the, you know, the courage or the will to leave, but that this provides a nice excuse for him to, to stay and to be party to it. Mm. You know, it mm. makes him yeah because he probably it. knows it's a bad decision <laughs> um, she's not going to take it gracefully i think is yeah, what you're getting yeah. up there uh, but yeah so here here's like Alyssa wilkinson writing about it where typically stories about the suburbs begin looking blissful and end with the facade shattered that's the tragedy that the picket fence dream was fake and now it's gone but gone girl knows the tragedy is already old news by the start the, the gaping dark houses the humanless housing developments the story ends with Amy trapping Nick, who, as his sister Go points out, is reprehensible for simply being too impotent to do the right thing, by rebuilding the very suburban facade characters usually want to dismantle. Mm. You know, and there there is like there's a sense that and maybe this is this is getting back to the whole idea of the post factual world that we live in, but the fact that as a as a culture and as a society, like we've been confronted repeatedly with the idea that what we believe to be true about the world, so about social institutions, about countries, about nations, about identities, are all verifiably false. And in some ways, I think over the past couple of years, our response has not been to try and make new truths or to confront those awful truths, but to embrace the lies that we were told, knowing that they're lies. So I don't know, you know, stuff like, say, the Brexit, stuff like, say, the Trump election. We're talking about that? Yeah, we're, are we talking about that? Okay, let's not talk about that. Well, just talking in general about, like, this idea of narratives and stories that we tell them. The uh, reorganization of the Greek economy <laughs> yeah. and, um, and the migration the sub- crisis. Subprime mortgages and all this sort of stuff we can wade in there. Yeah. The, the, yeah the, the... But yeah, but there is, there is this recurring suggestion in the modern world that like, we've, we've given up on, on things that are true. And we've acknowledged that things that we thought are true are false. And rather than... Well, just look at the recent market volatility in Chinese yeah. equities. Yeah. There we go. We don't have to go down the rabbit hole. We can just throw out the illusions and then tie them back to the point. Yeah, yeah. It's it's um, when like if you think about this movie in the context of the the rapidly diminishing rainforest um, and and climate change. I, I I think I do think there is something to that to the idea that like we that like Gone Girl reflects a point where we stop looking for truth or we stop looking for meaning because we know the truth. We know that all this stuff is a lie. That's all pretend. That stuff like the subprime mortgage, that the houses that we buy are not worth it, that we're dealing in money that doesn't exist, that we're voting for people who will set back the clock, that the America that we want doesn't exist, that, you know, in British independence is itself a lie, that, you know, we know that these things are, are false, actually. But 
because we want to believe in them, we make them true and we pantomime it and we play with it. I think I think there's an element of that to Gone Girl. Or am I am I reading too much into it? Am I pushing too far? Am I? So do you feel like it should have been higher or lower on on the IMDb top two hundred fifty <laughs> movies of all time? I actually think it's perfectly positioned. It's at number one hundred and seventy five, which puts it significantly lower than most of the Fincher movies. So I kind of go with that. Um, I take it you're not going to engage. <laughs> no, I'm not. Okay, fine. <laughs> But yeah, how do you feel that it... Uh... I mean, we totally could, yes. Yeah, but... <laughs> <laughs> we won't, we won't. No, no. Okay, just to be clear on this. So it's currently around about 175 on this. So it's it's not too high, it's not too low. Um, and in terms of what it's... Surra- let's, see, let's see what kind of company it keeps. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to... to, to... to no. kind of, for, for, for anyone who is hoping that we go on for another hour and a half... <laughs> Um, so it's uh, 179 apologies it's one above Mary and Max which I love it's one above sorry it's one below Mary and Max which I love one above There Will Be Blood another great movie um, It Happened One Night The Life of Brian yeah it's um, it's also below Kill Bill Into the Wild and The Force Awakens I think it's better than I think it's better than Into the Wild I think it's better than The Force Awakens. The Force Awakens is always going to be there because it, it has this huge um, fan base. You don't think base. you don't think The Force Awakens is going to drop off in about four years? Like it's not no, going to happen. No, because it's a Star thing. Wars movie. But like, and I mean, and, the Aven- and the the, um, the I, d- I, d- I don't think the Avengers um, while 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 they've made a good attempt to to build that kind of fan base, and while 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 there were good movies. I suppose in their own right, while while having their own sorts of of problems, yeah, I, I, I don't I don't think they're going to touch Star the, Wars, and I, I think I think the Star Wars: The Force Awakens will be will be loved because it wasn't one of the prequels, prequels and it's it's just good enough to 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 be accepted into the the two fifty or into the, into the mainstream, it, yeah, into into the. Because people love those Star Wars movies, don't yeah, they? Yeah, you really dislike Star Wars movies. Andrew I don't really movie. dislike Star Wars movies. I, I'm, I'm just not like uh, as obsessed. If 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 I were to go on about the life of Brian, the way it had, and and if people cared as much about, I mean, there are people who care about Monty Python, all right, yeah. but it's certain. It's it's it's. There known. are people who converse in in the life of Brian, almost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so does that seem about right? Would you almost put it higher than so you put it higher than Into the Wild and Force Awakens and stuff like that? Yeah, yeah. So you'd almost sort of bump it up. A I bit. mean, like the the it, it's in very good company though. It's around uh, Mary and Max, as I say, which I thought was great, and There Will Be Blood. So if if that's the company it's keeping, then I'm happy with with it having that place. Yeah. Am, am I am I going to bicker about some of the things below and and, and above it? Yes. As as we always do. I mean. Yeah. Um, but no, so it's cool. And I think it's a 2014 movie, so it's only two years old. Do you think... Casey Wilson was in this movie as well. It's got, um, she 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 um, playing a comedic role of the annoying of the friend. friend. Oh, that's who you're talking about. You mentioned the name Casey Wilson, and I didn't get it at all. Yeah, she 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 was... Um, she's, she's been in a number of things. She was in... What's it called? Was it Married? You're going to have to give me... With... Uh, Children? Rob Delaney? Okay, no, I haven't seen it. She was briefly, I think, for a season or two on Saturday Night Live, which I, I think oh, okay. she's she's a writing partner with June Diane Rayfield. Anyway, she's well worth uh, well worth seeking out, checking out. Yeah. Cool. So no, in terms of like it, its trajectory in the two fifty, Gone Girl 
arrived pretty much upon release in October uh, 14, up at number 77, a high of 72 or 71. Yeah, which, and, which I think puts Arrival into context. Yeah, which we, we talked about very recently, which what we will have released several months ago. But yeah, yeah uh, Arrival came in at 99. There will probably, probably be a few movies jumping into the 250. Um, Before in, you hear this. But yeah, it is, it is sort of trailing down. And it's actually, it's trailed down significantly uh, in November, actually, since... Since we mentioned we were going to talk about it. <laughs> uh, is this a coincidence, Andrew? I think it might be. All right, then. So do you want to have a quick look at what's in and what's out at the in and yeah, out chart? let's do the in and out chart. It's it, not what you think. It's been a while since we've done it, so let's take a been look. Been a while. At, been a while. Been a, a long, long time. time. So let's take a look at what's come in and what's gone out. So in terms of what's dropped out, uh, first of all, we've lost a number of twenty. We've lost a number of recent films. So, yeah. for example, we've lost The Avengers. We've lost The King's Speech. We've lost Deadpool. We've lost Guardians of the Galaxy. Mm. Uh, we've also lost uh, a number of other films. like Yeah, Beauty and the Beast, I think, was coming in and out. Well, we're talking about Paris, Texas, is doing the same thing. Yeah, uh, Lagan, Once Upon a Time in India, doesn't seem to know whether whether it's in or out. Yeah, the Fanny and Alexander, I think you were actually quite disappointed that it, that it, it went out, that it came in and went out. Also had Sergio Leone's A Fistful of Dollars drop out as well, which surprises me. I'm, I'm kind of sad, because that means... Uh, the entire trilogy isn't on the the entire uh, dollar trilogy used to be in the two fifty and now it's not. Like movies like for a few dollars more and Roman Holiday will probably be be back. I mean, all right. Well, I mean, it's it's a they've been sort of dripping out. Like they they were at two four one and two four two, so they've had a significant drop. Let's let's not lament them too too heavily. Let let's let's let, let's talk ab- ab- about the ones that have entered. Deadpool is also left, by the way. Yeah, which we're not lamenting too hard. I think we both no, seen. I mean, it, it's yeah. grand, yeah. but it, it's not one of the best it, movies. It, yeah, it, it's it's another it's it's a symptom of this recency bias. Yeah, if they could have gotten away, if if. Batman, Superman, or Suicide Squad had been any good whatsoever. <laughs> they probably would have gotten onto this list at some point. Yeah. Unfortunately, they were just stinkers. Well, I mean, let's just so, talk about so, the recency bias just in general. Like, Zootopia in the past month has dropped 17 places. Yeah. Um, the Force Awakens has dropped 16 places. Right. Uh, the Revenant has only dropped 15 places, making it a winner in this grand scheme of things. Yeah. Like, so it, there is there is a sense that the recency bias sort of normalizes over time and that these things factor out. And I think we sort of see this around this time of year because you get Oscar season coming up and you get more films coming in. Yes. Let's talk about what's coming yeah, in Yeah, let's talk about what's coming in. Because um, this, is, this is semi-interesting for nerds who care about the IMDb 250 like myself. You hear that, nerds? Yeah. I, I represent you. The most obvious... Holy! <laughs> yes. There's been a massive influx of films from India and Turkey um, right. over the past uh, month. No, no sign yet of... Kelloglan and <laughs> the, the, the the Black Prince making it in, no. despite our best efforts to uh, to sing its defenses. But this is a source of contention to people who follow the list online because there are, believe me, people who follow the list online. Are you one of them, Darren? I might be one of them. Yeah. Uh, we might also have a Twitter feed for the show that we'll talk about in a moment. But the argument is that a lot of these Indian films have seen a suspicious influx of uh, 10 votes and 9 votes and stuff like that. So there's some scepticism about whether or not they're legitimate oh. surprise entries or whether or not they're just trolling. Um, which is, I think we've seen, because we, I think we talked about before the Internet Movie Database breaking out and doing a top 250 films for India. So there's been some discussion, I think, there's a certain segment of the online fan base. And as I was sort of researching this, it's amazing how much people care 
about something as simple as like just having a pool where you can vote for the best movies ever. Yeah. Because there are people who object to... Uh, well, there, 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 there seems to be an awful lot of um, engineering of this list. Yes. Yeah, with, with, there, there was the thing between The Dark Knight... Uh, which which some people may know as the best movie of all time ever, and some other people may know as the third best movie of all time ever. Yeah, and um, and the Shawsha- and sorry, and the Godfather. This which rid- led to ridiculous a bickering about like which of which of these movies is the best. So it's like which led wow. to a situation where the Shawshank Redemption sauntered in in the middle of this brawl between the two heavyweights and crowned itself the best movie of all time. Yes, he did. Um, I do not care for the Shawshank Redemption, <laughs> but we'll talk about that later. Uh, but, like, there is a, a strand of people who have a certain, I don't want to say snobbishness about the list, but have certain views about how it should be. Yeah. And that, that seems Who's to, to say what's right or wrong? Yeah, that seems to include a skepticism towards the Indian and Turkish films that have arrived on mass. I'm looking forward to seeing these and giving them a chance yeah. and not understanding anything the, that is going on in them. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, sim- similarly with with um we we recently Kaloglan saw... or Stalker. No, I was going to I was going to talk about yeah, um Stalker. Oh, um, that, that <laughs> these are the two of us didn't seem to done. get it. By the way, <laughs> We're 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 uh, we're not so much wrong as as have opinions. <laughs> I think what we're crying out for, and this this is coming up to the plug section. We'd like to have guests. Yes, we would really like to have guests. Yeah, and people who know about these. Yeah, things, and people who care about them. So if you'd like, we 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 don't feel like there's enough conflict as as it is between, between the two of us. Yeah, yeah. But no, I, I do, and I do think it's it's worth getting different perspectives as well. Like I think it, it would have been, it's always good to have different point of views and to have people who have different opinions and stuff. Because myself and Andrew, we always agree about everything. Gone Girl being a film about Trump, for example. <laughs> no, it's not a film about Trump. But being about the mortgage crisis or whatever. Well, we we need to choose next week's movie, don't we? Oh, we do indeed. Yes, yeah. So we're going to the random number generator. So Andrew, would you care to pick? So random number generator... Turn, turn, turn. Show us the film that we must watch. Generating, generating. One hundred and thirty-six. Is Ran, which I am really looking forward to. They did a re- they released a remastered edition of this earlier in the year. It's got a nice cinematic release, a 4K release. It looked absolutely stunning. So that's the version that we're going to watch. We're going to talk about. I'm looking forward to this too. Because I've seen um, Ikiru, Yojimbo. I've seen... It, 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 it has a critical term named after it. Rashomon? Rashomon. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, there is a lot of, uh, of Kurosawa's great work. Like, I mean, and, and Ran is... I so I'm looking Ran. forward to seeing yeah. this. So let's take a look at the trailer for Ran.
Okay, so Andrew, what did you make of the, the trailer? Epic, bloody... Um, visually stunning. Visually stunning, As yeah. one might expect from... from uh, theatrical. Film. Yeah, it is very well staged. It's also very silent as well. One of the things that's notable about the trailer is it has that sort of foreign language film trailer thing going on. Yeah. As you probably picked up listening to the podcast, there was very little dialogue there, just some nice classic music. Yeah. Um, so there's a sense that... Depending on which version you hear, you heard. There, yeah. there was we... one version which was Clonad. Uh, Clonad, yeah. <laughs> the Irish band, they did the theme from Harry's Game, I believe, yeah? They, they may have. I, I may have to take your word for it. Okay. And the, that was the trailer for the recently released 4K uh, remastering of it. Mm. Uh, but also the classic 1985 trailer as well also avoids having any of the characters speak. Um, as part of that thing the foreign language trailers do in the hopes of, I think, luring casual moviegoers, who right. you hope when they've porked over the money will be like, okay, well, they're not speaking English, but I paid for it, so now I'm going to sit right down and watch it. That would work. Well, it, 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 you, you, you think that you're going to watch a uh, two-hour music video, though. Yeah, you do a bit. All right, then. So with that in mind, we're going to talk about Ran next week. Uh, in the meantime... Uh, where can you find us? What are we doing? We 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 have a Twitter. We 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 also, um, if you're listening to this, you you may have also listened to some of the other podcasts. Um, tell us what you think. You can um, you can share our tweets on on Twitter. Your the handle is the two fifty. Uh, actually spelled out. And your Twitter handle? Uh, Darren underscore Mooney and Andrew's Twitter handle. A Q U I N N I U Q A. And um, if um, if you want to go to us on iTunes, you can rate and subscribe. Um, or even just rate, because it does help people find the podcast if there are positive reviews and feedback. Absolutely. If- leave, leave, um, rate, um, sub- subscriptions, ratings, and uh, reviews, or whatever you want. Yeah. I mean, if you hate the podcast, tell us. If you love it, tell everyone. Yeah. <laughs> Darren, always the cynic. You can see why I think that the, the marriage between Amy and Nick actually isn't so bad. Well, yeah, I'm, 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 I'm kind of um, prepared for um, for this to be for this to be a a thing. Whatever, 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 whatever it is going to be is uh, is going to be. So, uh, Andrew, I made you better. You were never a better podcaster than you were when you were trying to impress me. Uh, I, I, I just did what I thought you wanted me to, 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 to be. And to that's do. because you knew me so well, Andrew. That got a little intense. Um, I am hopefully publishing a book on the X-Files. That will be out this year, so you can pick that up. This um, is fantastic news. This is fantastic news. So the publishers picked it up. Hopefully it'll be on shelves soon. Darren's um, having a baby book. Darren's having a baby book. Um, it's called Darling Darren. No, it is not called that, but we'll work on that. Uh, we're punching up some title ideas now. All right, take it easy, guys. Out of here. Bye.